The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down Of the big lake they call Gitchagumi All right, welcome to the History and Music Podcast. This is your host, Scott Gifford. I'm joined with Sean Oborn again, and we have a special guest, Brett Kane. Welcome you to the podcast. Thank Thank you so much. Sorry, I brought you in at the same time. I'm always here, though. Brett's Brett's the special (laughs) one. (laughs) No, you guys are are the specialist. I'm so honored to be here, guys. This is a a great opportunity, big fan of the show, and, and it's a pleasure. Oh, well, that, the, the pleasure is ours, I'm sure. And uh, it's just it's, a, it's an honor to have you listen to our show, let alone be on it. Your reputation precedes you, Brett. Yeah. And honestly, people say this a lot, but you are one person I would consider like a literal uh, warrior poet because <laughs> you'll fight anyone and you read some serious books, man. And I love it. So Thank you. The honor Thank is you ours so for much. Sure. Yeah, the best, uh, that's truly a supreme compliment from a supreme friend. Uh, when I was in college, this this will show how much of a nerd I am, but I had a buddy call me Goku from Dragon Ball Z because I was so friendly, but I loved to fight. So, so what, does it take to, what does it take to get you to go Super Saiyan though? Man, it, it, unknown, never never happened yet. So hopefully. Yet, huh? <laughs> that's very fitting. So, Brett, let's get to know you a little bit, uh, since you're our guest. Why, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What 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 do you got going on? What kind of music do you like? Just uh, just lay it on us. Absolutely. Well, I'm a husband, a father. I love to write. I love to read. I love boxing. My taste in music has been very eclectic, pretty vanilla, I'd say. But I it's and it sounds like a cop out, but it's totally true. I like songs in every genre. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Heilung, which is the uh, kind of folky Icelandic metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. love them. Uh, and and in fact, your recommendations from this podcast have been stellar. So I've gone back. Warren Zevon, uh, huge fan of Warren Zevon. And I I never got too much into uh, Dropkick Murphys. I was more of a, the Flogging Molly guy. And there's a lot nice. of crossover there. But loved the fields of Athen ride that that's been stuck in my head all day so I, I'm, i've been listening to it on repeat and i'm a sucker for dido adele and uh <laughs> nice um, yeah nice. so pretty wide variety florence and the machine and then all, all the old folky stuff john denver gordon lightfoot jim croce nice that's kind of the 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 light that i see you in is is like the folky uh, gordon lightfoot style uh John Denver, especially because like I feel like we we bring up this bring this up in almost every episode is like these music chats on Twitter. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> Sean and I are in one, and then Brett and I are in another one, and so we've all been we've all been Twitter mutuals for a while. I think Brett, yeah. I think I've been a Twitter mutual with you for like two years or something. Oh yeah, so yeah, go way yeah. back. But yeah, I feel like so so Sean and I were uh, we were like vibing on like some. I guess like punk emo stuff from like the early 2000s. And then Brett and I were, were kind of vibing on, on Gordon Lightfoot songs. Anytime you submitted a Gordon Lightfoot song, I was like, All right, that's a, that's a top score. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. If I'm feeling really emo, I'll, I'll listen to some, uh, a day to remember. And, and, oh. uh, so yeah, nice. I I'll listen to anything like, yeah, you're right. These group chats have, have opened us up so much great Lake swimmers. I'd never heard of them and, and got super into them from that group chat. So, 
Nice. Yeah, nice. and this yeah, this I, podcast is so great. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the, you, you brighten every every room because just all the compliments, and I'll take all I can get. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's become a meme now on Twitter, but it's like the Brett Kane not burying you in compliments challenge. Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I was uh, I heard from Brad Wilcox, and he he said you know, never to uh, withhold a compliment. And so it's, that's what I'm trying to do. And, and my coworkers, they always say, Oh, well it ruins them. Cause it's like crying wolf, but I'm like, I, I don't think, you know, it's like, they're like, Oh, it's inflation. I'm like, I don't think so. If it's, if it's sincere, like it, it doesn't lose its value. You tell your wife you love her every day. That's right. Right. I mean, I do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh... They better believe it <laughs> <laughs> or else you, got, you have to say it with feeling, right? Yeah, so the song we're discussing today, you guys are a couple of Lightfoot heads. I am not a Lightfoot fan. Um, like I was, we were discussing before the show, I had heard the name Gordon Lightfoot, and I knew he was kind of associated with like, I don't know, like sort of the hippie singer-songwriter kind of genre of music that was a little bit before my time, but I could not name a song that he did. Before, before like getting ready for this show, prepping for this show, I could not name a single song that he had written, sung, you know, what influence he had on anybody. I didn't know anything about him. So like the song we're discussing today is Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Brett, what is, we'll start with you. What is your history with this song specifically and or with Gordon Lightfoot? Absolutely. Well, huge, huge fan of Gordon Lightfoot. And th- this song in particular, I absolutely love it because anytime you find a song that has a narrative and tells a story, particularly a true story, it, it has a, a so much more meaning behind it. And I think that's something that's kind of lost in a lot of the popular modern songs nowadays that are, are very repetitive and, and, and have great beats and, and there's you know, obviously incredible talent out there, but not so much narrative that I'm seeing, but this song. So this goes way back actually to when it came out, uh, which was 1976. So my dad was 16 years old. He grew up on a farm, one of 12 siblings in Minnesota, and he, he and his younger brother, they, they were the last two boys in the house, uh, my Uncle Ted, and farmhouse, no television set, you know, books everywhere, and the boys got a transistor radio, and they brought upstairs to, to the boys' room, and they were, this song came on, and they were just blown away by it. And uh, so my dad has got to see Gordon Lightfoot live. And and when I first heard this song, I, I love the water. I love swimming. I love boating. I love sailing. I love fishing. And this song, it has that kind of rolling wave kind of quality. I've never been seasick. Uh, I, I can fall asleep on a boat easier than in a bed. And that's what it reminded me. And it's totally different genre. But it reminds me of that same quality as uh, Sabaton's Bismarck. Mm-hmm. It has like that same and any nautical song <laughs> kind of has that mm-hmm. that. Um, but I love the song. I love the story it tells. Gordon Lightfoot also kind of really helped me back before I, I met my wife. I, I was dating this girl and and she was, you know, just breaking my heart left and right. And so I listened to Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Read My Mind, which is a, you know, kind of a, a sad song that was one of his more popular ones. And it's that all, yeah, 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 right. 
a lot of covers of that. So Gorn Lightfoot has just been a mainstay. Carefree Highway. I sang that to my daughter uh, when she was born and when I was trying to get her to sleep. And uh, she loves The Pony Man, which is another one of his great songs. Cobwebs and Dust. Sit Down, Young Stranger. Yeah, I could go on. He's got like 200 songs and I could listen to any single one of them on repeat forever. <laughs> nice, man. That's awesome. So you have a, a long history of appreciating Gordon Lightfoot that started literally before your time with your dad, right? That's awesome. So it's a multi-generational appreciation for Gordon Lightfoot. That's awesome. Scott, what is your history or, or you know, fanfare yeah. for Gordon Lightfoot in this song? So mine isn't necessarily as rich as, as Brett's. My So uh, I grew up in a family that loved music, love uh, especially oldies. We grew up listening to like all the my parents generation music you know like queen and boston and and uh they loved simon and garfunkel which is kind of folky kind of like this lots of history with that but i actually we actually never listened to gordon lightfoot growing up which which was kind of now that i've listened to him is like kind of odd to me but anyway I, yeah i didn't listen until probably after my mission i heard this song and it just spoke to me i, I like the rhythm of it like you talked about brett it was, it's very like it, it It just like pulls you in his voice though is like I, I i like will challenge anybody to find a better voice like he's not musically talented like a lot of other singers but man the timber of his voice i don't think there's anyone that comes close to gordon lightfoot although i think it should be noted that he one of the things he's known for is playing a 12 string guitar uh -huh. which has a unique sound to it and its own it's a, it's a slight it's a higher level of difficulty to play that let alone play and sing at the same time so i, I think there is there is some skill uh in our i did not know that yeah no no no. i'm sure there there's skill um what i'm saying is that because i brought this up in other chats before is that he's he's my favorite vocalist and everyone brings up like these better more technical vocalists i just think his natural voice just like the the resonance of his voice is just amazing so but yeah like i said i didn't i didn't listen to him until probably my lower 20s but ever since then i've just been hooked on on gordon lightfoot start it started with this song and I'm, i've always been one like a sucker for like an epic like most of us are like an epic story and this kind of takes not necessarily like a mundane shipwreck it, it was a big deal but it makes it like an epic story, right? It, it, it brings in like Indian legend and it, 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 then it gets down to like the, the, I mean, the cook on the ship, you know, down to like the, that lower level, but it's like, it just tells this really awesome epic story. And I, I that, that type of thing pulls me in every time. So, uh, yeah. I, I agree. And it's interesting because I think Gordon Lightfoot is probably just one of the few still around of what they call the singer songwriter, which mm -hmm. sounds like someone who just sings and plays a song. But the idea was, something kind of came around in the 60s, I think, where, you know, country songs back in the day used to tell a story, right? They tell a long story and sometimes they have a chorus in there, but it was, you know, trail, you know, tales they, they would sing and put to guitar. Singer-songwriter is very similar. It's kind of a more folky version. But that was the whole idea was that you're quite literally, you're a storyteller and you're putting a story to music. And so that's what Gordon Lightfoot is doing here is he wrote this whole thing himself. There's no co-author, no co-writer. Um, you know, and, and so he's quite literally telling the story of the, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and this song doesn't even have a chorus. It's, right. it's, it's like six and a half minutes long of him just telling this like really crazy, like 
story of this maritime tragedy from the mid seventies. Right. And, and um, his, his, his way with words, I haven't studied any of his songs. Like I did this one for, for this episode and just like his turn of phrase is so awesome. Like he, he the way he, he pulls things in, He'll reference things from from before, but then just like his phrasing, it, it's really cool. So to the audience, as we're going through these, and as you listen to it, listen to the lyrics, listen to how how it like how he can turn a sentence on its head and and then rhyme it somehow. It, it, he's awesome. He's a great songwriter. When I was when I was reading about this song before the show, like sort of in preparation for the show, I read that. So the we'll probably we'll get into this more, but. The wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald happened in November of 75. He recorded this the next month, December of 75. And then Are you released serious? A few, yeah, and then we released a few months after that. But apparently he had this huge issue with like a writer's block while he was record, while he was uh, writing this song. And his, uh, his producer, I think it was like his manager or something, basically told him, like, hey man, you're a storyteller. Play to your strengths. Like it doesn't have to be 100% accurate. Just tell the story. And so that's why he took like some minor artistic liberties, but the, the more important idea was to tell a true story. Mm -hmm. which I think it's pretty amazing. You know, what's also a fun little tidbit. I'd actually didn't know that. So I'm, I'm glad you researched that is I, about two weeks after he wrote this, uh, he showed it to Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel fame, who, who was over at his house and, and he you know took him upstairs and they were having a, a party going on and he played it for him. And, you know, Paul Simon, uh, was like yeah it's good and he's like great you know and so that that's that's pretty cool that these uh these great singer songwriters were were uh, mutually supportive yeah that's awesome and yeah that, that like you said that that genre that it lends itself a lot to storytelling which is kind of why uh we've kind of on this podcast we've kind of lived in that singer songwriter uh, like 60s 70s land for a little while and we probably will for a while too let's see do we want to uh Get into the lyrics then. Is that enough? Pre is that enough preamble? Yeah, absolutely. That. I'm, I was uh, thinking about it before the show. Like this song is very long. It's like Led Zeppelin, you know, status with the, with the length. So I don't. I mean, we can go through every line if you guys want to, but that might be a very long show if we go through <laughs> each line individually. But uh, I'm fine with whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, and th there are some verses that are like uh, that aren't necessarily as as history rich, but they're still really good. Like my, like my favorite verse is probably the second to last, where where it goes through all the the lakes and uh, describes them and stuff. It is really cool, but it doesn't necessarily have a lot of historical context, but still worth listening to. And, and maybe we'll read it out. I don't know. We'll see if we have time. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's start it off. I'll, uh, I'll start off um, and we'll see if we have any insights as we go through. So it starts off with the legend lives on from the Chippewa on down to the big lake. They called Gitchigumi and the Chippewa is a, it's a, an Indian tribe right in the area um, in that northeast area of America southeast of of Canada right Great Lakes areas areas yeah, yeah. um Gumi is is uh their name for uh Lake Superior and it translates to to big sea or huge water which is very which is very apropos because I mean in the US and Canada a lot of us like already know this, but the Great Lakes are quite literally great. They're, they are almost like little oceans by themselves. I mean, you can surf on the Great Lakes. They have surf competitions on the Great Lakes because they're so vast, so deep, so large that it's almost like an ocean. And it's interesting that 
you know, the, the next line there is the big lake they call Gichigumi. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that, uh, that, that sort of that legend of the Chippewa, but it's, I guess this legend of the Chippewa, the next line says the lake, it is said, never gives up her dead, which will, which will come into play later once we get to the song. But I, do you, do you guys know anything about that? Is that like a true, uh, I, I've never yeah, heard that before. Yeah. On his website, he has, he has this like whole page devoted to this song and the website's kind of hilarious it, you can tell it was written in like 1999 or something but by the uh, way uh uh gordon lightfoot considers this song his best work ever that this is his magnum opus yeah yeah exactly according, and, to him, according to himself yeah and i would i would agree with that and and to answer that that question so one of the reasons is that the the water is so cold that the 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 bodies are are well preserved and, and they don't float to the top, and mm. and that's the that's uh, the reason for that. Huh. And they, and they never recovered the the sailors from the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is yeah, it's very sad. But yeah, and you yeah. guys were talking about a, a storytelling making it epic, and he starts off with you know a, the legend, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the the first line. Yeah, it pulls you in. It pulls you in so fast. Yeah. Oh, and so then, I mean, it talks about the gales of November, which he talks about. He refer references several times. That's when the that's when the ship sank. It's when the um, this whole incident happened was basically early November of seventy five. It's the next verse, though. It says the ship was the pride of the American side because those that understand the North American geography, there's an American side and a, and a uh, Canadian side of the Great Lakes. And Gordon Lightfoot grew up. He's Canadian. Um, and he grew up on the Canadian side of the Great Lakes. And so he's done a lot of like sport sailing on his own in the Great Lakes. He grew up in the area. So he's very familiar with these Great Lakes and how crazy the weather can be, how big they are, how cold they are. So this ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald, was basically an ore tanker, not an oil tanker, but an ore tanker that was built in the late 50s. And it was it was from the American side of the Great Lakes. It would sail out of Wisconsin. But that's why they call it the ship of the the, um, the ship was the pride of the American side. They're referring to the American side of the Great Lakes. Um, I didn't realize he was he basically a local for this, right? So he probably yeah. kept up with a lot of the I don't know if you'd say politics, but like the the stuff going around the, on the on the on the Great Lakes, like the industry and and the sports and, and stuff like that that go on there. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but. What inspired him to write this song wasn't just that it happened near his hometown, but he read a Newsweek article that came out a few weeks after the sinking. Mm -hmm. And um, the Newsweek article misspelled the name Edmund Fitzgerald. It's spelled like an O instead of a U. And so now Gordon Lightfoot reads this and he's like, dude, this is like this massive tragedy right here in my hometown. It just happened and they can't even get the name right. Who's going to remember these men, these mariners, right? These, these brave sailors that braved these waters for years and years and years to sail through these gales, you know? And so that's what inspired him to write this was he wanted to basically sort of, I guess, etch their memory in stone, you know, which I think is pretty, pretty powerful. That is awesome. And I don't know if you guys heard this, but he actually did a, a rewrite as well because the once divers confirmed because it, it was suspected that the hatches were left open that that led to the sinking divers confirmed that the hatches were properly closed and so he he rewrote that and basically exonerated one of the sailors who was in charge of the hatches who who had you know, taken the blame for that and and uh, that sailor's mother you know was was uh really grateful 
that he did that. So he was a, a very conscientious oh, yeah. uh, songwriter. And to go to go in, like you said, it's his magnum opus. It's like it's his biggest contribution to music, is what he called it. To go in and change even one line to that. That, that's a that's a big deal and so uh, yeah i think it was in like 2010 or something ever since then any any performance or recording since then has that has a new line and we'll get to that later on in the in the song but there's a new line that, that like you said exonerates the, the individual yeah he's done that a couple times where he'll change like in a live or in a live recording or in a live show he'll change a line here or there because some local mentions something hey the church isn't really musty you shouldn't call it a musty old church you know so he'll kind of change a line live or re-record it because of that which is kind of cool so it's like as information comes to light or as people tell him like give him more i guess color to the to the show or to the um the situation he he changes the song which is kind of cool yeah that's awesome so yeah so we're back to the song it, it, the pride of the american side coming back from some mill in wisconsin that's uh, artistic liberty i learned it, it was coming from an ore uh like field or whatever and it was actually in superior wisconsin is the town but it wasn't some mill it was like an ore because they, they were they were yeah. um transporting iron ore is what they were carrying yeah it, yeah and he he mentions iron ore in the previous verse and then says it comes from a mill i don't know if you mill iron but i don't think you do so maybe that's intentional to like i don't know in As canada the, you mill iron i guess no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of upside canadian down thing. up there it's canadian thing <laughs> Um, as the big freighters go, it was bigger than most with a crew and good captain well seasoned. So the captain So at the time it was built in fifty-eight, it was the biggest Great Lakes freighter, period, the largest. I think they called I think they called it like the, the queen of the Great Lakes or something like that. But mm -hmm. it was like the, the ship is massive. Like it's a huge tanker. You know, it's like think of like a Titanic. This wasn't some little boat like, you know, you know, perfect storm type thing. This is a massive ship. And at the time, at the time it was built, it was the largest of any of the Great Lakes. And to date, it remains the largest ship to ever sink in the Great Lakes. Wow. To date, huh? Mm-hmm. So, so keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The, the, so the, it, it mentions a good captain, well-seasoned. Um, the captain's name is uh, Ernest M. McSorley. McSorley, yeah. McSorley, yeah. Sorry. Um, it, he had like 40 years of experience. He had he had commanded nine ships prior to this one. So he was very well seasoned. Yeah, I think so he was in his 60s, I think. At the time he died, he was in his 60s. That would make sense if he had 40 years of experience. So yeah, that, I mean, that's uh, that just kind of goes to show what uh, what kind what they were dealing with. So speaking of what they were dealing with, the gales of November, um, apparently that, that has to do with warm, moist air coming from the Gulf of Mexico hitting mixing with the dry cold air from canada and sometimes they hit right over the lakes and that that's what they call the gales of november or later on in the in the song you'll he referenced it, he calls it the witch of november which as in w-i-t-c-h and they so actually get there to that into verse three yeah um and they, they have this freezing rain hurricane west wind and i was i was looking this up before the show and like this so what it was is they were sailing from superior wisconsin all the way to this little island outside detroit the the song says cleveland but it was detroit basically while they were sort of pretty close to part of i think michigan they came into like this just massive storm what's interesting about this is that we still don't know what sank the edmund fitzgerald all all theories agree that the weather had played a part but no one actually knows what brought it down but what they confirmed from recreating the storm, from eyewitness accounts, from another ship that was kind of tailing the Edmund Fitzgerald, 
is that she was getting battered with 35 foot waves and winds that were up to 60, 70 miles an hour. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'd have a road wave that was 45, 55 feet high that would just swamp the deck with water, which the scale of something like that is scary. And this is on a lake. This isn't even the ocean. You yeah, know, it's so crazy. To think of wild. So, so, yeah, speaking of that, I encourage you to go, go Google this and then look at the Google images. Google the the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, look at Google Images because there's some really cool depictions of of what this must have been like, um, and it shows the scale of these waves. It, and the, the ship is huge, and the waves are just, just like dwarf it. So, my, my, what I what I always think about when I see these things is I always think like, could you? I mean, this is modern. This is the 70s, right? Our parents were alive. Could you imagine like Columbus or the dudes crossing the ocean and these like wooden ships on these massive waves? I'm like, <laughs> dude, like the guts it takes to do that. It just boggles my mind. Yeah. And we see that, you know, just that acceptance because I mean, obviously the technology has improved, but any nautical endeavors are pretty much equally as dangerous as, as they've ever been. Uh, in, in a lot of instances, I, I actually had a, a family friend who who drowned in in Lake Michigan. I, I grew up uh, outside Chicago, and and you know Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes, smaller than Lake Superior, obviously, but still just just as dangerous. And and we'll see that later in the song. And there's a really good line to that kind of stoicism and and resignation and acceptance that the the ocean or the seas or the Great Lakes, any body of water is a good mother but a harsh master and it can just change in an instant she's still a cruel mistress (laughs) yeah and and changing in in an instant is that everything i read mentioned that the weather could change in on a dime like they 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 might have been in in sunny skies like 15 minutes before this this crazy storm hit them And, and then you mentioned uh the the history of of ships being on the ocean with these big waves um the, like the guts that it took but but also the skill that it takes to to manage those type of waves that that, that comes back to this to this well-seasoned captain he knew what he was doing but uh, i mean sometimes nature gets the best of you no matter what yeah from what i was reading about this um the captain um mcsorley he was kind of a chad in a, in a bit of a way he was kind of known for like the guy who would go out in a storm like he sort of like he was kind of known for no nah, it's just a little storm we can the ship can make it she can handle it you know oh, really? and yeah and so he this wasn't his first bout with bad weather in the Great Lakes though and so that's just one thing he was known for and he was actually somewhat blamed for it later because a lot of people you know people that had sailed with him previously and stuff were like hey if you had just like taken a break you didn't push the ship so hard you know this wouldn't have happened we'll never know but it just goes to show you that he had sort of a, a small reputation for that. Huh. Yeah, I, I could see I could see being frustrated um, at like like he it finally get finally caught up to him type type of mentality. All right. So, so we've, we've actually come up on the, the, the line that was that was changed in 2010. Oh, yeah. So, OK, so this is the one where it talks about the cook, right? We mentioned yeah. it a little bit earlier. You can go yeah. ahead. Now, this is this is artistic license because we don't know what they said. To each mm-hmm. other on deck the only the only eyewitness accounts or transcripts we have of this is the edmund fitzgerald was not not necessarily limping but she had had some damage i think like her her like radio was not working there's a couple of things that were broken on the ship that limited her view 
and also like her like radar, for example. And so all she could basically do is communicate with this ship that was like a couple miles behind her and say, hey, I'm kind of driving blind here. I can't see any lights. Um, we're doing sounding measurements, you know, and, and so the, they had an, there's another another ore freighter. Um, that didn't sink that night that was a couple miles behind her kind of guiding her in guiding her to safe harbor and so any any phrases or things that we've heard from on deck is when the Edmund Fitzgerald radioed back to his other ship and that's all we have because no one survived so we don't have any kind of no one else no one else saw it happen no one else talked to the Edmund Fitzgerald except for this one ship but sorry go ahead we're in verse four <laughs> all right so it says when summertime came the old cook came on deck saying Fellas, it's too rough to feed you. At 7 p.m., a main hatchway caved in. He said, fellas, it's been good to know you. So they changed when the hatchway caved in. He changed it to it grew dark. So the the when the hatchway caving in, that, that kind of implicates a, someone didn't didn't shut the hatchway, right? I um, think that was I think it was the Coast Guard's. Uh, because part of the issue is, is they were near a Coast Guard light, like a lighthouse, but it wasn't functioning or their beacon was off. And there, there was, it was sort of a comedy of errors. Like the ship had some stuff broken. The Coast Guard didn't have, like they had replaced the batteries or something like that on their radio. So there was a couple things that sort of contributed to this. But after they did an investigation, I was, I think it was the Coast Guard's position was, oh, well, you know, deckhand so-and-so didn't close these, these hatchways. Right. And when, the, when these big waves crashed in on the deck, it basically flooded the the compartments, like the cargo, the cargo yeah, area, yeah. and so the ship no longer was seaworthy because it was basically swamped with water. Right, and, and and actually, a big reason why they thought that is the iron ore was was actually in the form of like what's called taconite pellets, which apparently it absorbs a lot of water, and which is a dangerous thing on on a big ship like this. So again, that that line now is at seven p.m. It grew dark. It was it was then he said, fellows, it's good. It's been good to know you. So, um, yeah, now, now it's he, it, he, he records, now it grew dark. He, he records that as the last line from the cook. The last line that we know of is actually from the captain. And do you guys know what it is? No, no. So um, Captain McSorley, he radioed back to this ship that was tailing him behind him. And prior like earlier in the day, he had mentioned, hey, we're taking a little bit of water. You know, our, our, I think our lights aren't working. So there's a couple of issues they were having. They had a, a bit of a list, you know, which is when the ship is kind of sailing sort of at an angle. So he, re- he radioed all this stuff back to the, this other ship to kind of report their status. And the last radio transmission was right around 7 p.m., I think. He said that the crew, he, that he and the crew were holding their own. And really? That was, the, that was the last radio transmission. Yeah. Wow. I mean, ba- yeah. based on the, on the little I know about him, that sounds about right. Yeah, Sorry. that's oh no, and and you know it's cool. You know, I was talking to my dad about the song, and and that line, you know, where where it says it's too rough to feed you, and then it's been good to know you. He really resonated with that, even as a sixteen-year-old. Just that kind of like, you know, I I don't want to say resignation because that it sounds, but I mean just like that stoicism, like all right, you know, like bring it on, like okay, you know, whatever, and which is is kind of cool. You know, like obviously this is a tragedy, and I'm I'm sad that the those 29 men lost lost their lives, but the idea of holding your own and the I mean it's kind of the name of the game. And when you go out, like you don't want to go out with a scream or a whimper. You just want to be like, all right, guys, you know, see you on the other side. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Of- it really, it really like 
it really honors the 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 that I mean the potential cook the, the the men on the boat that they like you said they uh they were stoic about their they didn't panic they didn't they weren't they were probably scared but they held their own. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, it's it's kind of that just old fashioned manliness, you know. You just round up your shoulders and you just you just you know deal with it. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that in our modern society is a lot of it's kind of lost. You know, the yeah. whole idea of like, no, this is how I go. I'm just going to face it like a man. You know, I, I wonder if it comes with the um, with the line of work. Because <laughs> I was cause... I was thinking that too. Because this wasn't the first ship to sink in the Great Lakes, and it wasn't the last either. So they had yeah. to have known this was like a, you know, and it's likely that this uh, this fictional cook it wasn't his first like rub with death right or his, his first close encounter with with something like that they're, they're probably pretty hardened men um that had, that had seen their fair share and so me from an office job that i would probably be panicking i'd be the i'd be the one that that we're kind of denouncing but these men they, they they'd seen their stuff they they're they knew and so that's that's what i meant when it comes with the line of work i think you're, you're being too hard on yourself you know i can i can tell with that that beard you'd you'd be at the helm you know you'd be the <laughs> the bravest one on board and and one thing that's kind of cool is, is they they talk about the cook and and cooks kind of get overlooked i think on ships but there's another great folk song called the mermaid and and the cook plays a, a big part in that and and talking about that kind of stoicism it reminds me of of your previous episode with with michael like Yep, I'm I'm going on this this uh, slave or this uh, prison ship for the colonies in Australia, and you're just going to have to raise our child with dignity. So you know, and and I, it reminds me also. Obviously, this is a, another tragedy, but uh, September 11th and and Flight 93 with Todd Beamer saying "Let's roll." You know, when mm -hmm. they were, you know, I, I think that I would love to recapture that spirit. And I think some of these folk songs are are good templates for manliness. Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's like it's not. I mean, you could say it's being resigned to your fate, but it's almost like accepting it. You know, okay, let's. This is it. This is how I go. Let's do it. You know, you see this a lot in combat. A lot of guys at war do this kind of stuff. And oh, and my my thought as like a, a a fan of history is, what would I do in this situation? You know, like would I put the life jacket on and try and keep it cool for the other guys around me, and then just just know deep down this is how I go. Or would I be panicking and like jumping overboard, like trying to swim to the nearest, you know, dock or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I that's, it's, it's a good thought exercise. I think w without going through this thought exercise beforehand, you won't be prepared for when this does happen. So I think uh, so maybe songs like this, stories like this subconsciously prepare us for these uh, these events. Continuing on, it, it mentioned what's that? We're in verse six. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It mentions how close they were to Whitefish Bay. And I, I was looking up the map and they were really close. He, he says maybe 15 minutes. If they were 15 minutes ahead of the storm, they might have made it. And, and we'll include a link to the map in the in the show notes. But it, it's it's close. Like the, the, they had a pretty long journey and they were just inching down to it when this when the wreck happened. So that, that's kind of kind of some cruel uh, a cruel part of the story was, was just how close they were. I don't know if it was close enough to swim, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it wasn't that close. So, so the, the the lake is big, and so they were still out in the middle of it. But it was but compared to how long they had gone, that they probably had like a tenth of the journey left. 
type of thing. Yeah. Or they were pretty close to safe Harbor. I mean, it was mm-hmm. 15, 15 more miles, you know, yeah. which they, which they could have made. And I forget what the speed was. They could have made that in like, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. The end of this verse, it really, really hits hard. You know, it's like that. And he just goes on and, and kind of is like, you know, they might've split up or they might've capsized or they might've, you know, broke deep and took water. Like we're just not sure. We're still not sure exactly what happened. But this this line is really powerful. And all that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters. And that's my wife always reminds me of that. If like I, I'm, you know, getting kind of aggro and, and wanna to do something like <laughs> potentially dangerous. She's like, you can't you know, abandon us. Um, <laughs> and obviously these guys were were earning a living and and working and not not and we don't know, I mean, the captain or whether or not it was an unnecessary risk, but I mean, back in the seventies I and mean, you had to get the job done. I mean, you're not going to get paid if, if it's not done. So it's, it is, you know, I think they really probably weighed that in the balance. Yeah. Yeah. That's something growing up. I, I heard so many times from my, my, my mom and my dad was the talk she gave my dad when they were, when they got married was uh, as soon as you get married to me, you're done doing crazy stuff. Like you're not jumping out of a plane. You're not, you're not doing anything crazy because now you have re- you have real responsibility. You have people counting on you, and so, yeah, that that line. You're right. It does carry a lot of weight to those that that that. I mean, everyone has family. Everyone has brothers and sisters and, and moms and dads. And but having having a wife and kids, it, it really it changes you. And so that part kind of just it hits you. It makes it real. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, this song does a really good job of keeping it epic, as well as like adding the the flavor of these this hyper realism of of uh, like the people on the ship. Yeah, there's a there's a quote that came to my mind. Uh, Joseph, it's actually a Joseph Stalin quote, but maybe we'll just edit that out. We'll just say it's a good quote. We won't say who it's from. <laughs> but uh, he was. This is during wartime. But he said that one death is a tragedy, and a million deaths is a statistic. And I think part of what he's illustrating there is that sometimes when you read about stuff in the news, oh, 300 people died in a landslide in Colombia or whatever, you know, so it's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But these are 300 individuals that have wives, children, husbands, like these are people like you and I, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's what I, one of the things I love about studying history. And I think I told you this before, Scott, is like just realizing like these people are accomplishing great things or had great things happen to them or momentous things happen to them. And they're people like me, you know what I mean? They're just, these aren't, these aren't people that, you know, these aren't, these aren't like some, you know, great Greek philosopher. These are just men doing a job, you know, they just happen to be in the wrong place at the right time. And Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song about them, but they're people. I mean, the, the youngest guy on that boat was 20 and the oldest was the captain, like in his 60s. So there's definitely guys that had families there. And adding that line is all that remains is basically the people that left behind definitely amps up the realism. For sure. So so th- this next verse, um, th- this is this is my favorite one. I, I just love the way, like how succinctly he he like runs through the, the Great Lakes. Luckily, we have a, a, a guest here with a excellent voice so i'm gonna put brett you on the spot and have you read this one because next to gordon lightfoot i think maybe a second is is brett kane's voice so uh (laughs) absolutely well i i could say the same about you guys lake huron rolls superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansion old michigan steams like a young man's dreams the islands and bays are for sportsmen 
and farther below Lake Ontario takes in what Lake Erie can send her. And the iron boats go, as the mariners all know, with the gales of November remembered. Yeah, man, that's it's powerful. I, I, this is a, a I, I slept on this verse, but you're right. It's yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that you know they paint Superior as singing and they uh, anthropomorphize superior as her as as female you know and that and we see that with the sea as well that mm -hmm. you know she never gives up her dead and i think that's that it's interesting yeah there's lots yeah. of really like sharp visualizations in that it, like the ice water mansion yeah like, i like that little... line because I, I would i would not think of a lake and like ice water mansion like that's that's good man it, it's crazy <laughs> yeah like, like th this guy whether he had uh, writer's block or not, like he, he freaking did his thing. He, he's awesome. The, the, I love that. He's a poet. Even, even the line like old Michigan steams like a young man streams. And that's kind of like old Michigan young man. And it's interesting. Cause I mean, what's young man dreaming about? Is it, is it about, you know, a, a girl? Is it a, about, you know, battle? Is it about you know, the, the water? It's, it's really interesting. I think that mm -hmm. there's so much that, and and really just the fact that i mean this is a huge tragedy but there were other boats out there that night that you know kept sailing and the work had to go on you know and even though it, the whole world stops for the these families in in many ways it it doesn't on a larger scale and and maybe it should yeah that's that's beautiful um and and then it it ties it all back into the story of the song with the iron boats go as the mariners all know with the gales of november remembered and I love how that those last two words just roll off the tongue. It's awesome. All right. So, and, and like I said before, that seems like more towards the end of the song. It it loses historical context in the lyrics. It's more just like good poetry about the area. And anyway, can, can I talk about the, the last verse, verse seven? Yeah, please, please. So, the, the verse seven is in a musty old hall in Detroit. They prayed in the Maritime Sailors Cathedral. The church bell chimed till it rang 29 times for each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald. And then it goes back to that line from the very first of the song. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchigumi. But those first three, those th first uh, three lines there or four, four lines there is a real thing. The, it says a musty old hall in Detroit um, in the Maritime Sailors Cathedral. That's a real church. And it's called the Old Mariner's Church. It was built in like the 1840s. And it's like this really cool stone church in Detroit. It's not called Maritime Sailors Cathedral. It's just artistic license, but it's called the Old Mariner's Church. Um, but that's one of those lines where it says in a musty old hall. Apparently, he had one of the parishioners of this church tell him after a show one time or something, hey, man, it's not really musty. Uh, it's just a regular old church. And so now <laughs> now he sings in, in a rustic old hall instead of musty. He changed it because of you know, just being sensitive to the, to the people that attend that church. But it says the church bell chimed till it rang 29 times. Now 29 men, all the crew, all hands were lost on this, on this tragedy. There was 29 men on board. Not one of them was recovered. All of them died. And that's true. The church bell at this church starting, I believe right after this happened, it rang 29 times for each guy that died. And they did this every year on the anniversary of the sinking until 2006. And then in 2006, they still do it every year, but now it's to commemorate like all lives lost it in the Great Lakes or whatever. Okay. But um, but that's that's a real thing, like the church bell ringing 29 times. It's a real church. You can go to it. Pretty cool. Hmm. 
That is awesome. One thing that that's pretty cool about Goran Lightfoot when he recorded this is he cleared the studio and then turned off all the lights. Yeah, you saw. Yeah, it's uh, except you know to see the lyrics, and I thought that was that. I was didn't. I didn't neat. know that. That's that's. Uh, why, why do you think he did that? Was it to like bring the mood down or something? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know why why he did that. I mean, maybe just kind of out of reverence and just yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it it, it would certainly set the mood, like you said, and and. Yeah, I don't know. Because it, it, is, it is kind of an ode, right? So 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 it's like he's he's focusing his attention, like it's a it's an outward way to f- focus your your uh, physically focus your attention just on the lyrics and just on these on this story. So yeah, like it, that, that's that's awesome. I, I really yeah. like that. And he he researched a lot of his songs. I mean, he he was really dedicated to that. And it's it's too bad. I mean, I think one of the the his biggest appeals now was his biggest setback back in the day is that he he didn't leave canada and his songs were i think it was early morning rain was recorded like 300 times like 300 different covers you know people were like reaching the top of the charts in the states with his songs that he had wrote and and he couldn't you know make it big in canada for for a long time hmm i didn't know that yeah, I was reading he uh, he moved to the U.S. like I forget it was like L.A. or New York or something for a very short time, hated it, and moved back to Canada and has lived there ever since. And he only comes to the U.S. to tour with a visa because he doesn't want to live here, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> but you're right, the the guy is prolific. Like I'm looking right now, his discography is like the guy has written like a, his catalog is amazing. He went, he wrote, he's, his first album came out in 66. And as of 2021, he's still releasing music. He's got like dozens of albums. So I think what Brett was saying with the whole, like just killed the lights, recording in the studio, reading from like a scrawled bit of paper. I think the guy just takes his craft seriously. And Gordon Lightfoot and a lot of the other singer, singer songwriters of his era, they're, they're like bards, right? Like this is, this is their gift is being able to tell a story set to music just like the old bards used to do tell these heroic tales and 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 have people's memories live on they were saying that the guitar riff he came up with this in this song he did on his second take he did it and then when he recorded the words he, he cleared the studio had everyone get out killed the lights and then just sat in there with one light on illuminating his pad of paper and just did did it like that which is like i mean it's kind of cool if you think about it yeah, that that is. I mean, we said that the captain's a Chad. I think he, he's this guy. He, he uh, he's a true artist. But like, he's that, that's amazing. Talk about his discography. That like, what one of the um the things that prevented me from getting really into him was j- just how daunting his, his how many like where do you start? You know, um, you can start at the beginning and, and work your way through. But man, that's a lot of music. You know, I got to give a, a shout out to to my mama because she's a, a great. A musician as well and and she plays a 12 string guitar as well so that's that's pretty cool one thing that i really like about him and and uh i just found out that goran lightfoot at 83 years old is going on tour this month so, and we'll <laughs> we'll get him on the on the show but his uh so he he was married and then divorced and then remarried and i think he's got five kids but when he he got divorced from his first wife and he wrote uh, if you could read my mind one of the lines in there is i'm just trying to understand the feelings that you lack and his daughter was like 
hey, wasn't it like both of you guys? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he changed it to the feelings that we lack. And so, yeah, very, very conscientious. I think he's he's a responsible songwriter. Yeah, the, And I, I mean, like that you said bard. That's cool imagery. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Scott. No, you're good. No, no. I think you're right. That's a, He's a very conscientious person. Like the, the fact that he's changed so many of his songs like that, and then this this story, that's, that's crazy. That's awesome. And yet the whole vision, to kind of go meta a little bit again, um, the whole vision of this podcast was to, like our kind of tagline on the website is to, to pay tribute to the immortalizers, um, to, to give the bards like their due, right? And uh, I think that, like you guys are right, that he, he fits that the mold so well. And again, we might have found another uh, songwriter that uh, might fuel a couple more episodes here of the podcast. I mean, as long as Brett wants to come back, we can do. Gordon oh, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. This is so much fun. You know, like they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, but a song's worth a million. You know? Yeah. I think that's true. This one. For sure. And, and I'm sure there's been many more and, and much more uh, intelligent conversations about this song. But but this one, like it really comes from the heart. I, it, it's hard to not listen to and talk about the song without like feeling something right. Yeah, I'm glad to have you guys with me on this and and, and going through it because you guys are like, I, I can feel the passion and I can feel the love for this song. So, yeah. Thanks, man. In my case, it's newly acquired. <laughs> well, uh, you you definitely did your research. So that's awesome. Um, well, I again, had to. I know we had Brett come on the show and I can't really feel it for the Brett Kane. So oh, I had, I, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm like over here listening to every song that Gordon Life has ever done, <laughs> reading every article about him. Well, and that, that's kind of the problem with you'll, you'll see with history podcasts is you do so much research, it's hard not to just say everything, right? You have all these cool facts bouncing around in your head. So thank you to the audience for uh, for bearing with us on uh, not falling on, asleep. Yeah, yeah, and and like kind of following our rambling. So, so so I get I guess to, to take us out, Brett. As you researched and uh, and re-listened to the song a couple more times for this, what stood out to you? What um what kind of changed for you on the song? What changed for you uh, for the artist? Yeah, but what so what what stood out for you? Yeah, you know, I just a lot more appreciation for the the good lives that we have. I mean, we don't know all the tragedies that people are going through, but I mean, they, they happen, you know, whether it's on a, a grand scale that, that gets a bad write up from Newsweek or gets a song written about it or, or something that, you know, no, no one knows about, but you, it, it definitely made me appreciate that so much more and, and realize that there's a lot of power in music. And I mean, even in the scriptures say that, you know, the song of the righteous is a, is a prayer unto God. And, and I love that Gordon Lightfoot, you know, mentioned God in this song and he does that in, in several other songs. And I, I don't think we see that often enough in modern music. And yeah, just that, you know, I, I think I, I love what you said, Sean, about a, a, a bard, because I, I think all of us can get bardic inspiration, you know, from, from these kinds of songs, if we'll just listen to them. Yeah, I like that. In, in a way, anyone that creates is is kind of a bard. In a way, anyone that creates something is 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 trying to immortalize something. It's like even if it's a painting or a or a poem or a post on Twitter, you're you're trying to like commemorate or or like preserve, and uh, and so it, it, this is kind of a, a while. I don't think I'll ever. I know I'll never be as as good of a lyricist or a 
or or as good of a writer or anything as as Gordon Lightfoot. But it, it's something that makes me want to to commemorate things like he did. Uh, we're all going through some crazy stuff, right? There there's no shortage of disasters. I think it's it's important to things that are important to you to write about it to paint about it to to do something right i mean maybe even do a podcast about it like we're doing you know yeah yeah we're we're doing our part not really though there's always (laughs) more to be done i i think of it as like adding to the to the culture culture is a word that kind of gets misused a lot thrown around a lot nowadays but but i consider what gordon lightfoot is doing as he's it's it's a cultural thing right he's telling Mm -hmm. the story through a very north american western type of method right it's it's sing singing um singer songwriter and so it's not unique to the united states or canada but he's telling a story of something that happened here commemorating people in a way that that is is sort of unique to where we live and it's adding to the culture and so like what you're talking about scott when any of us create something like that culture is anything we think make or do And, and so this is definitely you know adding adding to that canon you know that corpus of our culture and it's the culture of us you know north americans americans canadians you know western european descendants however you want to classify it Very and as, well we said. Here, as we learned here uh, history doesn't have to be affect like we learned about last episode with the great potato famine it doesn't have to affect millions and millions of people like this was 29 people and their families and then whoever wrote that bad article in Newsweek, um, that, that's that's who it affected. But 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 it's continued to affect many people because of Gordon Lightfoot. And there's been a lot of uh, other stuff about it. I think there's been a lot of documentaries and and different things. But I think Lightfoot is the is, kind of takes the cake. Anyway, we're going long. I want to respect you guys this time. Getting kind of late. Thank before, thank you before, so much. Yeah, Sorry, thanks for ahead. coming on the show. No, I was saying thanks for coming on the show, Brett. But before we close off, is where can people find you, or is there anything that you that you want to plug before we uh, log off? Yeah, you know, I just I want to plug this podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> well, I already listening love to this him. show. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and of course the Cold Bow podcast as well. Really enjoy that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I you know I would love to connect with our listeners. Here I'm on Twitter at Brett W. Kane. That's B-R-E-T-T-W-C-A-I-N, Brett W. Kane. Wrote a couple books. I, I've got a podcast, the Ironside Podcast. Want to get you guys on. And I know we're looking at. Sorry, we're back. There, there were some technical difficulties. Uh, our recording stopped. We turned off all the lights in the studio, just like Gordon Lightfoot did and and did not go November gales strike again. (laughs) (laughs) So so you are in the middle of complimenting us again, Brett. So continue. Yes, absolutely. No, (laughs) great podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I I know you got uh, some more great guests lined up and more great songs. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think this more people need to get interested in history. And, and I think, tons of people are interested in music so thank you guys for having me on and, and if people want to find me i'd love to connect with you and talk about goran lightfoot or talk about boxing or talk about anything you can find me on twitter at brett w kane and also i've got a, a podcast that you guys will be on and that is the ironside one word ironside podcast on on most platforms yep. he's also he's also an author he's got two books that are for sale at your local bookstore. And I think you're working on a third, aren't you, Brett? Correct. Yeah. So that, that, uh, that should be done this month. 
Nice. Do we need to bully you to get that done on time? Yes, you, you, you do need to bully me to okay. get that done on time. So please tell your friends, bully me. You know, you can uh, call me all sorts of names and <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> cool. Thank you guys. This is awesome. Hey. I love this. I can't I can't wait to listen. I don't want to speak for Sean, but I think this was probably our best episode. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I judge how good an episode is by how much I enjoyed recording it the conversation so this one was up there really good so thank you brett for coming on thank you for picking this song yeah it, it was really cool it's all because um, of you brett thank you for gracing <laughs> for your presence man no yeah. thank you guys i love you guys god bless you both right and, and and this is the time where we ask you to subscribe to our podcast to to like it to share it um if you enjoyed it and if you have any ideas for songs hit us up let us know you can find our ads. We'll, we'll put put all our uh, contact information in the show notes. Go look at it. We'd love to have anybody on. To, if you have if you have a passion for a song about with historical context, hit us up. We want to. Yeah, any and if you know musicians too, like we're we're gonna get Gordon Lightfoot on here. So if you guys uh, have Gordon's <laughs> yeah. number, let share us this, share this episode, man. Blow it up <laughs> so we get Gordon on here. Yep. He's yeah. He's going on tour in in a couple months. He needs to. He needs to promote his tour on our podcast. Yeah, he needs the advertising. <laughs> we can boost his numbers here. All right. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Likewise. And we will uh, go out with the song. So enjoy. On from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed When the gales of November came early The ship was the pride of the American side Coming back from some mill in Wisconsin As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With a crew and good captain well seasoned Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms When they left fully loaded for Cleveland Then later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound Every man knew as the captain did too Twas the witch of November come stealing The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait When the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain In the face of a hurricane west wind
supper time came, the old cook came on deck saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. At 7 p.m. a main hatchway gave in, he said, fellas, it's been good to know you. The captain wired in, he had water coming in, and the good ship and crew was in peril. Later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Does anyone know of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours. The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay if they'd put 15 more miles behind her. They might have split up or they might have capsized. They may have broke deep and took water. And all that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters Lake Huron Rose Superior sings In the rooms of her ice water mansion Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams The islands and bays are for sportsmen And farther below Lake Ontario Takes in what Lake Erie can send her The iron boats go as the mariners all know With the gales of November remembered Thank you all for listening, and until next time, 
This has been Sean and Scott and Brett out. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, guys. Good night. Yeah, good night. Have a good night, guys.